Hi, I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. And I'm so excited today to have my guest, Victoria LaBombe, who has done just that. What a creative person. She has forged her own path and she has done, I I don't know, just everything. Victoria, you were there. You've done performing, directing, producing. You've done corporate events. You've done comedy. And now you're the author of this really fascinating book called Risk Forward. Yeah, you people can't see it. She's holding it up up to me, but it looks very, very cool. Hey, hey, Victoria, so great to see you here. Thank you, Judy. I'm so happy to be here with you and everyone. Uh, well, we, we last saw each other at Chautauqua Comedy Festival, right? And That's right. Last up before the pandemic. And now I know the people listening to this, they've been, a lot of us have been reevaluating our lives and our careers. And, you know, this mess that we're in, we're wondering, how to emerge from it and able to really do what we love doing. And you're somebody who went from, and I don't know exactly what your journey was because you were working comedy clubs, I know that. And now you're like this really big deal speaker and keynoter for corporations like PayPal and Starbucks. So I want to hear a little bit about your journey so my listeners can get to know you. Right. Absolutely. Well, first off, um, like many people, I had a lot of interests when I was growing up and I always felt like I took a path that was different from other people's. You know, when, when I was in high school, I was doing one thing, people were doing another. When I got to college, everyone was clear on their major. I was interested in different arts. When we got out of college, my friends started getting married and having babies and homes and husbands. And I was you know, doing comedy and acting and writing and performing and directing and mime. And everyone gave me a hard time. Like, you know, where's all this going? And anyone listening here, if you have multiple interests and people have given you a hard time, whether you're young or whether you're older, you know, stick with it. Because what happens is, you know, they all went down these very specific paths like law or medicine or business. And I kept doing my thing. And even though I wasn't making money at it in the beginning, it at least was making me happy. And that's something that you just don't get back. And then, uh, you know, I was doing comedy clubs, like you said, Judy. Um, I got picked up by a manager in Hollywood. I was doing television commercials. I thought I was on my way to fame. And then one morning I saw 9-11 out my bedroom window from lower Manhattan. And two days later, my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I, like us right now in the pandemic, you know, I was in a profound phase of reevaluation and not knowing. Um, But I got a call from someone in the Speakers Association, which Judy is how you and I first met. And they said, hey, why don't you come and do your one woman show, but for the corporate market for the speakers. And I thought, oh, okay. And he asked me to come and teach them, the speakers, how to use more performance skills in their keynotes and storytelling and comedy and physical comedy. And so I did that. And one thing led to the next, coaching speakers. Then I started doing corporate events. 
speaking on stage has been helping people with their speaking skills. I developed a whole brand called Rock the Room. I started working with uh, top level leaders at big companies and people on Oprah's stage or on TED or PBS, helping them discover their message, clarify it, and then express it with that unexpected twist that would distinguish their work. And I did that whether it was a nurse, you know, speaking one-to-one -one with a patient, or I did it with a comedian, or I did it with a speaker. And that really forged my career. However, I never had planned that, you know, and I'm sure I just, who would have thought that me, this, this girl who studied mime would end up teaching corporate CEOs? Who would have thought that, you know, I would end up teaching these workshops and all my friends were so stunned, you know, here it was. So for anyone listening who feels a little bit alone, uh, stick with it, you know, as long as you're enjoying it, as long as you're enjoying it, you know, when you, it stops being really fun, then you want to reconsider. Do you feel that, uh, I know from hearing your story, it seems to me that you probably had an eye-opening moment when you went to teach corporates um, to realize, oh my God, I didn't really realize how much I know, you know, right. from struggling and you're doing comedy clubs and, um, and you're getting up in front of an audience or you're building a window with mime. I don't know what you're doing at all. I know that window thing. Um, so did you, was it a big eureka moment for you to realize just how much you, you knew? And then number two, how much what you knew was worth? Uh, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, it's interesting. Artists tend to poo-poo the corporate market. Oh, they're corporate. And I think that's a big mistake because some of the top corporate executives that I know are creative. And it's as bad as th doing that would be the equivalent of a corporate executive poo-pooing the artist and thinking that we don't know anything. There's so much to be gained. And so when I went into that market, it was thrilling because they were so hungry for it. And, you know, I think secretly a lot of people are closeted creatives, you know, that they, they kind of wish they could be funny. They kind of wish they could be the rock star. And so to be able to teach those skills and then have them call me up, I had executives say, Victoria, I got a standing ovation or Victoria, they laughed at what I did. They said, that is better than a raise. To have their peers, their audience, their, their, their teammates just thinking they're rocking it is a huge high for them. So that was great. And then, you know, the financials too. I mean, you know what it's like when you're, you know, I'd be in the bowels of the East Village of Manhattan barking to get people into like get six minutes on stage for a comedy set. And, you know, suddenly I was getting picked up in a really nice town car and getting driven to a hotel and getting a big check. And I thought, well, this is very different. Uh, there's a funny story here, which is I, I was uh, friendly with a man named David Steinberg, who's the, not the comedian David Steinberg, but the manager David Steinberg, who manages Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. Uh, the late Robin Williams, and he'd been helping me. He sort of hip-pocketed me, which is a Hollywood term for those of you who don't know when someone takes you in, you know, in their pocket, like they sort of help you out, but you're not officially signed. So he would submit me for things like the Toyota Comedy Festival and Saturday Night Live and Mad TV. And so when I started doing corporate events, I went to see him in Hollywood and he said, how's it going there? And I go, well, you know, I'm sort of embarrassed. I felt like I'd sold out because all my artist friends were looking at me like, I saw, and he said, uh, what's going on? I said, well, I'm doing these corporate events. He goes, so? I go, well, he goes, are you having fun? I said, yeah. He said, are you making money? 
I said, yeah. He said, are you doing your work? I said, yeah. He goes, so what's the problem? And I said, well, you know, David, I'm wearing a suit. He said, Victoria, it's a costume. And I just love that line because it was just this sense of, you're just wearing what you have to wear for the event. You know, it'd be if you were in a play, you'd have to wear the costume of the character. I'm wearing the costume of the corporate. And after that, I just took great delight in my work and I felt so freed. Yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of the people listening don't realize that even stars of comedy make the bulk of their work from doing corporate events, that it, they don't realize it that, it, that it's absolutely huge. And on high school, you know, career day, there wasn't, they didn't have a booth there, did they? <laughs> no, they did not. Like, they did um, not. You like to give advice to people, come, come speak. No, if, exactly. if I knew, and at your hotel, right, that you're staying in, you didn't have to share it with the middler and the headliner, right? Totally, yeah, right? It's exactly. Like, <laughs> it's a whole different level. So, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, everything's a little on ice right now with COVID, but it, it's a pretty good life. All right, so what are some of the steps that, you know, and I know this is in your book, um, Risk Forward, what is that title all about? Like, um, does that mean that you, when you move forward in your career, it's going to be a risk? It's going to be painful? It's going to be, you know, what, what, how did you come up with that title? Yeah, I love that question. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I had studied mime with a great French mime, Marcel Marceau, who some of you may know. And he had this type of position he called risque avant in French, risque avant, which means risk in front of. And it was this type of pose where you were very um, arched open, almost like the wind, a, a sail in the wind. And I came to think of that almost like a philosophy for life. You know, how we can be open and exposed, um, but moving forward, even if we're a little off balance and a little scared. And I codified this and then trademarked the term risk forward. And I did a TED talk on it. And it's now the title of my book, as you mentioned. And the idea is that there are times in our lives when we feel safe or when we're very clear about where we're going. But there are often times when, whether it's for five minutes or whether it's for you know months or for many years, where we're in a period of uncertainty or uh, lack of clarity. And in those moments, what I call the fog of not knowing you know, it's like you're facing a blank comedy page and you're trying to come up with your new joke or you're putting together a new project and you're not clear on how it's going to go or you're thinking about it, a lifestyle change and you're not sure you're leading a team. Maybe you're just out of college and everyone's saying, what are you going to do? Or maybe your spouse has just died and you're not sure what's next. In any of those periods of not knowing, I believe we have huge potential. And what happens is people try to get out of the fog of not knowing as quickly as they can. Like, they're like, oh, I don't like not knowing. But the argument in the book is that's, that's where the creativity happens. It's fertile. And when we can have the tenacity to stay in the not knowing and look for the funnier joke or look for the funnier path forward or look for the better career or the better spouse or partner in our lives, instead of grasping for the most convenient way out, that's when we originate and that's when we distinguish who and what we are. And that's risking forward. It's being okay to be a little off balance, being okay to be a little unclear and moving forward anyway, but not rushing. Mm, you know, a lot of people find that space of 
the as you refer to the fog of not knowing as a very painful place because right. every day you get asked so what are you doing what's new in your career you know what's up and how does one deal with that shame right um because because everybody wants to know you know especially i know people who have parents going what what's new are you making money i mean how how did you deal with that and and what's your advice for other people here dealing with the fog of not knowing knowing yeah well it's a great question it's one of the reasons i wrote the book because i suffered for many years myself under the myth that unless I was clear and had a plan, I couldn't succeed. And the early part of the book, which um, is beautifully laid out, I showed you a little sneak peek, Judy, but every page is different. Each chapter is unique unto itself. And so this page early on talks about all the, the types of comments that people make, what I call the pressures. You know, it's like, what's your plan? What's your goal? Where do you wanna be in one year through? And, and that kind of pressure is what really screws us up. Uh, so you can see here, I'm showing this to you, Judy. It's like this fun page of all these different questions that people ask you. And then it starts to feel like this. You know, I have all these lines on the page, like pointing and the characters just stressed out. Oh, I love how graphic this book is. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's more so, like an experience than just, right? That's exactly right. Some pages are uh, illustrated, some are full text. So every page is different and it's full color as you can see. And so fancy. what I, it's fancy. It's, it's a beautiful, fancy, it's a piece of my art. Grandmother would say it's a fancy, fancy book. It's a fancy book. It's full color. It's just an experience. It's like a journal guide for your life. Mm -hmm. And so the two things I want to say to help people listening is number one, that you're not wrong for not knowing. In fact, I think it takes great courage. And so when people ask you, you know, and this is not in the book, but this is, this is more than what's in the book. When people ask you, you know, <laughs> what's your plan? What's your goal? You can just fire back a question to them. You can say, why do you want to know? Like years oh, ago when I wasn't getting. <laughs> oh my God. My ninja work here. Why do you yeah. know? Oh boy. Yeah. It's like when I wasn't getting married for years, I didn't get married till later in life. And people say, you know, when, what's your plan? Are you going to get married, Victoria? And I just learned to say, why do you want to know? And it was so interesting. It set them back on their heels. And I said it with a smile. I didn't say it in a challenging, mean way. But they're just usually trying to find something to label you with, or they're trying to find some kind of box to put you in, or they want to, you know, measure themselves up against you. Or they're the looking for clues for what to do with their own life, right? That's, that's exactly right. But it's yeah. couched as like, oh, I'm interested in you, but it's really helped me out. So I always tell my clients now, I say, just say I'm risking forward. I'm going into the unknown and put it back on them. What about you? So, or I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours, you know? Well, so. I think this period of um, searching yeah. um, is in my life has been um, exciting. And I love how you said you kind of are poo-pooing a plan. And I've, 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 that's been my philosophy because everything that's happened in my life. And it sounds like in your life where all of a sudden you get this call and you want to come talk to these corporates. And that wasn't in a plan because you didn't even know that kind of career existed. And so sometimes being open, I mean, I was just wondering, just saying 
positive, like an affirmation we can give people as far as in this process of risking going forward to say, you know, I am opening myself to new possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think would that be a good one? Sure. I, I actually like the phrase I'm risking forward because it just sort of says it in a nutshell. I don't know. I'm risking forward. It means I'm going into the unknown. I don't know. I have the courage to not know. And I'll tell you that the thing that is important for everyone to know, and I learned this from working with C-level people, I mean like the CFO, CMO, C-suite at places like Microsoft, PayPal, Starbucks, working with Hollywood top level talent, working with people who are experts appearing on Oprah's stage or TED, they didn't know either. And we have this illusion. Well, they didn't know exactly how they tried saying that. Really? You can't say shareholders. Where are we going? Beats me. I mean, no, but, but how they got to where they are. Oh, they didn't know. They didn't, they didn't always have a clear plan. Like we're seeing with our careers, one thing led to the next and, and that's how they got to where they are. And so I think, you know, it's, I'm not against plans. I certainly have plans with parts of my business and life and career, but there are times when it's not yet clear. And the key that I'm saying is not to force it. So yes, Mm -hmm. you can either ask them, why do you want to know? Or you can simply say, I don't know. I'm risking forward. And you're fine with that, right? Nice. That, that, that is, and do you know, do you believe that when you're in, you're actually calling risking forward a state of being, right? Like it's, it's a place of opening your eye to opportunities because I realize that there's so much opportunity happening around us every day and, and that you have to be in a certain, you're talking about being in a certain mindset to see that, right? That's exactly right. Exactly. So you got it completely. And, you know, as I say in the book, and this will twist your head a little bit, but in a good way, I say sometimes risking form looks like standing still. Because that's when you, well, what I mean by that is sometimes, for example, let's say you have a marriage proposal or a job offer or an invitation or something that's not fitting right in your soul. The risk is actually to say no, because the easier thing is to say yes, right? Just take what's there. And so risking forward doesn't mean that you're always stepping forward. It means that you're stepping into the unknown. And then in that case, let's say you have an obvious opportunity in front of you, but you turn it down, that is a risk forward because you have sometimes no alternative. It's not even like you're saying, I know I'm going to do X instead of this. You're just saying, I know this is not right. So I'm just going to stay open. And that's a scary place. That's a very scary place. And I think that is where the rubber meets the road on people's lives and careers. Cause most people grasp for the most convenient way out. Cause they're so uncomfortable with the unknown. Well, and now we're living in such an unknown right now with the pandemic that has certainly those of us who speak, it's really transformed our lives. So let me ask you, how has in this odd period that we're in right now, how has that affected your career and how have you risked going forward in in these uncertain times? Um, well, personally, you know, like you, you know, we, you and I share a, a part of our careers aside from performing, but also working with people who speak and present. 
and so I have a whole brand called Rock the Room. Uh, it's been a huge part of my business. We have online courses, we have workshops, we have coaching, I do VIP. And I uh, could have made a lot of money on that during the pandemic. I could have completely transformed that into, you know, and I have, you know, branded Rock the Zoom is now my trademark and, you know, that whole thing. And I, I could have, I could have done something around that. And I just, I felt more important than that was to move forward with this book. And people say, oh, you could make so much money right now. Everyone needs to learn to be on camera. And, and my risk forward was to work on a book that, you know, financially is not making any money right now. Cause you know, I'm in the creative process and I, it just got printed and I'm doing these types of promotional events, podcasts to put out the word. And because from my soul, it felt like the right thing. And that's part of what risking forward is. It's what's right from your soul inside out. Not how can I jerry rig the system to be successful, but how do I do what's right for me? And I'll tell you, and you know this to be true, I'm sure, Judy, every time in your career, when you've done something from what I call the inside out, because it was the right thing to do, because it lit you up, because it interested you, because it pulled you forward, that paid off. Maybe not right away, but in some way. And anytime you tried to reverse engineer the system, uh, it was problematic. What does that mean to reverse engineer the system? Well, it means um, I'm going to go here because I hope that person will then notice me. And then I'll, you know, that kind of backwards uh, hope instead of just coming from a pure place within. So, you know, years ago I went, um, I had a photographer who took a lot of photos of me. His name was Henry Grossman. He's still alive. He did the photographs for incredible people. And, you know, John F. Kennedy and the Beatles and Elizabeth Taylor. And I happened to meet him on a film set and he took some pictures of me for the next few years. We would meet and he'd take photographs. Well, his wife one evening was a piano teacher and he said, please, would you come to my wife's piano recital? And I thought, oh my God, I, you know, I don't have time for this. I don't want to go to some piano recital in someone's apartment in New York City with a bunch of students. But I knew it was the right thing to do because he'd been so nice to me. And I went to that piano recital and we listened to all these kids clonk away in the piano. And at the end, Henry said, oh, Victoria, would you get up and do a few minutes of your funny performance piece imitating Marcel Marceau? I used to have a funny piece called, you know, <laughs> making the invisible visible with Marcel Marceau. And I would do like a 12 minute performance piece where I'd imitate him and imitate me and sort of perform like his, his getting upset with me. Very funny. And so I got up and I did that just because he asked me and it was a bunch of random people in his living room sitting on the floor and having hors d'oeuvres. And it turned out there was a very famous director there who came up to me and he said, Victoria, I'm starting a private performance group with Harvey Keitel and a few invited actors and writers and directors and performers. And would you like to be part of this? And I thought I could not have planned that out better. I mean, I didn't go to this party to try to meet anyone. I went because it was the right reasons, you know, and it just led to the right place. Like, I, I didn't get into the speaking industry to try to make a lot of money. I got in there because I thought I could help and serve. Now, that I, I totally am with you on all of this because I find that when I get out of the house, which I haven't done lately, but when I just start to participate on Zoom and some interesting things, that leads to something else that leads to something else that leads to, and, and sometimes I look at all the successes I have and I could trace it back to a moment just like 
years. So what's going on here? Do you believe that we all have a kind of destiny in our life, like a, a, um, a skill set, um, maybe a lot of which we don't even know which place it fits in? But that if we get in touch with what you said of, you know, going from the inside out, um, that that leads us to our success and expressing our purpose in life. I do. I totally do. One of the things I talk about in the book is that we each have an inner current. Um, I, it's like a through line which I stopped using as a term because number one, everyone started using it. Uh, I'd been talking about it for years on stage and then everyone started talking about through line. So I changed it to inner current also because people misunderstood the word through line to mean like theme or topic. And mm -hmm. I thought of it the way it was originally intended from Stanislavski, the great Russian theater artist. Now, most people don't know this, but the term through line was coined by Stanislavski, the Russian theater artist. And it was a word he coined to designate the driving force in a character's behavior. And so I talked about this on my keynote stage for years about that each of us is like a character. We have a driving force that comes from within. And when we are truly connected to that inner, now I call it an inner current because people get the visual and it's a unique term. People get the sense that it's this moving force. It's not a fixed point. It's not a theme. It's not a topic. It's this living energy. And each of us has that. And when we are on it, in the book, I talk about how you know you're on it and how you know you're off it, how you know you're on that current, riding it like the current in an electrical wire or the current in the blood of your veins. That is like a life force. And when we're on it, we're on the right track. And the, the contention that I have about the word purpose, um, even though I know it's the part of your podcast title that's so important, is that people get stressed out when they can't identify or name it. But what I like to tell my clients in the risk forward community is that even if you can't name it, you know you're on it when you're feeling certain things, right? Like, like what sort of you, things? What sort well, of things would excited, I excited, intrigued, lit up, right? Those are those are good signs. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, when you're kind of pulled forward, those are the, even if you can't explain it. And um, so I give a whole list of terms that show you when you're on it, when you're off it, and there are many more, but we all know that. So, you know, that's when we're outside in is when we think we should be doing something or it looks good or it seems on paper to fit within our quote career plans. But when we do it, it doesn't make us happy. So for example, here's a good example from my career. I, um, because I coach a lot of speakers, some people said, oh, you should coach politicians, right? Or you should coach corporate executives in the tech world, which I did. And I got very successful. I, my name was at the highest level. I did all the top companies, you know, EMC, Dell, Microsoft, PayPal, Polycom, Workday, Riverbed, uh, Oracle. I mean, every top IBM, these were all my clients at the top level. But I found in certain companies at, at the very, very high level, they couldn't always say what they wanted to say because at, you know, when I'm speaking at arena events, there's so many other factors that go in. There's legal and there's the data and there's the demo team and there's the marketing team. And so the creative expression, which is really what I'm all about was limited. So on the surface, I'm quote a speaking coach, but that's not really what I do, which is why I wouldn't wanna coach politicians because mm -hmm. they're not about creative expression. They're about you know a lot of backwards positioning. 
So my through line, my inner current is around creative expression and helping people take their hidden genius and bring it out into the world in the way that only they can. And so anytime I can do that, I'm excited. So that's where you want to come from the inside out, right? Because the career on the outside might not look fun or might look fun, but when you do it, you're like, this isn't right. I know. It's like sometimes you get what you've been dreaming of getting and it's horrible. Like I always had dreamed of getting a regular part on a TV show. And then I got that and it was so much politicking. I was like inside, mostly um, waiting all the time, criticized under fluorescent lighting. And it just was, um, I realized, um, was making me extremely unhappy. And that's a weird thing where you go like, this is what I want. This is what I'm dying to have. And then you get it and you go, oh, um, right. this, this is frightening. And you know, let me ask you this, because here you go, you're coming from, you're playing comedy clubs, you're doing your one person show. And, and then you're in this environment with CEOs and CFOs and the other Cs and, and, and you know, all the BFDs of the corporate world. Did you ever feel that you were a fraud? You know, like, like who, wait, wait a second, you know? I'm, I'm just like, I'm doing some woo-woo stuff and I, this is, I, what am I doing here? I don't understand this world. I mean, did you have that? Because I know a lot of people who all of a sudden get accidentally fall into this speaking thing. All of a sudden they're staying at the Four Seasons Hotel and they're jetting in there and we're paying you, you're paying me what? <laughs> That's what I made last year as a stand-up comic. You gotta be kidding me. Right. Did you feel that sense of like, I'm a fraud? Uh, I never had exactly that, which some people call the imposter syndrome. Like, will they find me out? I didn't have that because I felt like I'd paid my dues for, for years. And I knew I was on the right track because I was, um, making a difference. The audience was responding. I was teaching what I knew to the executives. I knew what I taught worked in the beginning though, two funny things. One is, um, I was early on, very, very, very early on trying to pretend I knew what I was talking about when I didn't. And it wasn't that I thought I was a fraud. I was just doing my best to keep up because when you move into sort of the financial world, I did a lot of work in the financial services or insurance or medical, you hear a lot of terms that you don't know. So for example, I had a meeting downtown in New York City with some people at a company called Smith Barney. Now, a friend of mine, actually a guy that I was dating at the time said, I can hook you up with these top guys at Smith Barney. They're like in the sales department. And so I said, sure. And I was way over my head. So I go down there and I meet these two guys and they're sort of in their crisp white pressed shirts. And we're sitting there in this office and they're talking back and forth and they kept talking about the penal. And I'm like, the penal, right. And I, I had no idea. I knew it was an important term, but I'm like, yeah, the penal. I, I, the penal is really important. I totally get that. You know, and I thought well, I will just find my way through this conversation. And it wasn't until I got back home that I realized uh, they were talking about the P and L. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's the profit and loss, right? And they're like, well, the penal is really important. I was like, yeah, the penal is a big deal. I just, you know, I thought, well, the penal is important to these guys for sure. So, you know, there were certainly times when I was making things up. 
And early on, you know, I was drawing these amazing analogies between acting and sales. I was like, in acting, we do this. In the sales world, I think you do that. In the beginning, I was truly beta testing content. I was sort of saying it and watching the reaction. But little by little, I developed an entire body of intellectual property that was time tested and worked. And once I had experienced the results and clients told me this made a huge difference in my meeting or my communications, I was rock solid in my confidence. Well, I love that. Um, um, like, yeah, you might feel a fish out of water. You might not know what PL, hell, what, what was it? <laughs> I had something like that where they were talking yeah. about, we got to adjudicate it. And I, I went, I, should I be offended by this? Uh, <laughs> adjudicate, yeah. Adjudicate. <laughs> I just went like, hmm, what is that? Um, is that nasty? Um, but I, I love that. You know what I... I love what you just said is that it takes time. Yeah. You know, it takes time to get good at something, but it seems like you're always looking at the results. Like, am I giving, what results am I giving rather than going from um, this, I mean, you're in, letting your insecurities rule. You're going yeah. from, you're looking out, you're asking questions, right? You're yeah. maybe doing surveys, yeah. you're seeing, um, right. collecting testimonials, right? Is that, is, is, did that yeah. help you? Absolutely. Well, there are two things to say on that front. I mean, many, but two in particular that I think are important to, to share. One of them, and I teach this when I teach Rock the Room, and it's a core tenet of mine, and it's changed a lot of people's fear level. And I say, if you're nervous on stage or on a camera, you know, in front of a camera, um, if you're thinking about, you know, do you look good? Are you too fat or too skinny? You know, is, are you sounding smart? You're thinking about yourself. And I say, the moment you focus on the audience and the difference that you can make, and if your points are landing, the nerves go away because it's not about you, it's about them. And I learned that as an actor. So you always want to point your through line. In that case, I use the word through line, your intention towards the audience. That's true as a comedian too. You know, you're looking out to the audience. Are they laughing? Is this landing? Am I making sense? And then the attention's not on you. Um, and that also ties into a much higher purpose, which I talk about in the book. I call it the deserted island question. You know, what is it that you're really all about? Because everything is in service of this larger, this larger life uh, inner current plan in your word a purpose and when we reconnect with that larger vision of what we're in this for to begin with the nerves go away so that's the first thing is to make it not about yourself but about others uh, and that it was a game changer that uh, is a game changer yeah right yeah i mean if you're on camera and you're nervous just focus on your message and the people that are hearing it and making sure that you're as clear and succinct or whatever it needs to be or funny or engaging or you know entertaining as possible that's where your attention should be, the quality of the result in the yes. audience's hearts and minds. Great advice. So much better than picturing people naked. That's Oh, God, that's disgusting. stupid. That's so funny. That's just dumb. Who did that? That was... I know. So, yeah. you know... So, and the, but the second thing, I yeah. do want to say one other mm -hmm. piece, because it is important. Yes. Um, you know, in the beginning of my career, uh, and this may not apply to entertainers as much, but certainly as a speaker, as a consultant, um, and now as an author... My initial thought when I was first speaking is I would love it when the audience came up to me and said, oh my God, you're so talented. You're so funny. I love the way you move on stage. Like my ego was lit up. I was like, ah, I'm so great. And I love that. But 
The better response, which is what came in the next phase of my career, is when people would come up to me afterwards and they wouldn't talk about me. They'd talk about the effect I had on them. And they would say things like, I'm so inspired. I have so many ideas. You made me feel so much more free. I can't wait to try out this new thought you gave me. And that is the money. And that's the way I wrote my book. It's not about me. There's so many stories about myself I didn't include because it wasn't a book about Victoria. It was a book to help the reader find their own way forward. I so love that. I love and, books that, that aren't, you know, a lot of books are narcissistic that way. Let me tell you how I did it and how great I am. And the one thing I love about your book, Risk Forward, is it actually gives you exactly um, you know, techniques to apply for you to, first of all, um, be in a place of openness and be in a place where you can actually uh, see possibilities and how to connect with your inside. So to give you the courage to take chances, to take a risk. You got it, Judy, 100%. Well, I just got the book. Um, um, and for those of you listening, you should go to riskforward.com backslash book, riskforward.com backslash book. This is or, or forward, forward slash, forward, forward slash, book. slash, whatever. It's a slash, you know, a kind of slash I'm talking about. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. It's in the top 100 books on Amazon. So you're really doing really well. And I would just like to, I know you're, you're doing so many interviews now, and I thank you so much for spending some time with my people, but I want to do a little summary now, okay? And any last words of advice? Because um, first of all, you said, if you are in the fog of uncertainty, you're not sure where to move, that's okay, right? Embrace it. It is a time of incubation that can lead you to places that will be very exciting, right? Yes, and just to clarify, I have questions in the book you can ask yourself to find your way out in a truthful, authentic fashion. Right, and very often having a clear plan is not the best idea because there could be better things coming your way that you can't even imagine right now. Is that right? I love that. A lot of people are not, no, I need a five-year plan and a one-year plan. No, you don't, you, you, that, plans are overrated. I, I, so, and go get in the inside, go from the inside out, you know, really try like, like, um, like clothes. You need, you, it's like, you don't go into a store and just go pick one thing, try it on and it fits, right? You gotta go, hey, does this career make my ass look fat? You got to try on different things, right? And see, go from the inside out. What does it feel like on you? Is it for you, right? That's, that, that was really, I really love that. And that everybody has imposter syndrome. You're going you're gonna to have that, so what? And if you do have that, this is what's really great. Focus on, on how you are the effect you're having on other people to get past your own insecurities and feelings of limitation. 
Yes. Did I miss anything? Absolutely. That was a beautiful summary of some and, of the key points. And I, you know, and, and what occurs to me, what I love is that risk forward, what you said. And, um, and then you said something about the current of your life. Is that it's, we're, we're all in a fluid state. No matter yeah. what you're doing right now, it's going to change. It's got to change because otherwise you're not changing. The world is changing. And so get Victoria's book and jump into the flow of life and take that risk, take that step and risk forward. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Judy. What a treat. So for your special gift, Go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to the Message of You University, which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED Talk, or a paid speaking career. That's themessageofyou.com.